Good to see each one this morning, and for those of you visiting, we want you to know how much we appreciate your attendance. We appreciate your taking some time this morning to worship God, to study a portion of His Word together with us. If you will, keep your Bibles open there to Colossians chapter 1. Our goal this morning is to study verses 15 through 19. So if you will, keep your Bibles open. We're going to do a Bible study this morning of this great letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians. Let me begin with the asking of a question. What is your view of Christ? What do you think about Him? Who do you see Him as? For just a moment, let's go to Matthew chapter 22 and verses 41 through 46. If you're turning there, I will tell you that in this occasion... There have been a number of people firing questions at Jesus, one right after another. A question about marriage, a question about paying taxes. All of these questions with the purpose in mind of trying to entrap him in something he was saying. And Jesus responded by asking, Who do you or what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he then his son? And no one was able to answer him a word nor from that time dare anyone ask him or question him anymore. I want you to understand that Jesus asked a very significant, a very important question to them. What is your view of the Christ? You see, in their minds, they had looked at Jesus as nothing more than an imposter. And yet, they didn't deal with the evidence that was found there. Is it important what a person believes about Christ? Is it important that those of us who are here today, what you and I believe, do we believe that He is the Son of God? Do we believe that Jesus is the Christ? You see, we are the church of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And Jesus is the head of His church. I want you to listen to 1 John chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. He said, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Do you realize that it is a lie to say that Jesus is not the Christ? Evidently, one of the challenges facing the Christians who were there in Colossae was... What do you think about the Christ? What do you think about who he is and the position that he has 
in this world. And just like today, I had some ladies come to my door yesterday. They knocked on the door and they wanted to invite me to a meeting where they would be teaching that Jesus was a created being. That Jesus was not on the same level as the Father. I explained to them very quickly, very briefly, Ma'am, I'm a preacher at the Bible Branch Church of Christ, and I don't believe what you believe. I'll be glad to discuss it with you. And they decided they wanted to leave. That's okay. But the truth is, does it matter? As you and I study through the book of Colossians, the theme will be that Jesus is the preeminent one. He is the Christ. And that Christ is in you, chapter 1, verse 27, the hope of glory. Here are the three things we're going to look at from verses 15 through 19. We're going to look at Jesus being preeminent in his composition. Oh, how profound of an idea that is. It's going to require some deep thinking, not just, you know, you can't daydream with that point. You're going to have to really concentrate on it. Then we're going to talk about being preeminent in creation. His being the creator of this world that you and I are a part of. And then finally, preeminent in the church, his body. Let's begin, first of all, let's look at verses 15 and 19 together. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now look at verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Now if I'm going to talk about Jesus being preeminent in his composition, we're talking about his nature. Of what nature is Jesus Christ? Well, for just a few minutes, let's look at that idea He is the image of the invisible God. You're trying your best to understand what it means to say that he is the image. Well, I can understand that from Luke chapter 20, verse 24. Jesus said, show me a Daenerys. Whose image and inscription does it have? And they answered and said, Caesar's. I reached in my pocket and pulled out a coin. And it has the image of George Washington on it. Now I'd like to ask you, how do you know that's George Washington? Well, you can say, well, he's got that fake hair. He's got that long nose. You can say, oh, I I, I can recognize because of his characteristics the unique identifying features that says that's George Washington. That's what Jesus was saying with the Daenerys. Whose image, whose nature is on that? Well, if I understand properly, Jesus is the perfect likeness of God. How do I know that? Listen to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And a 
upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is the express image of his person. In other words, I've seen some people who look so much like their family, you almost would mistake the son for being the father 20 years ago. They bear that close of a resemblance. But Jesus is the express image of the Father. But it's even more than that. Even more than that. Listen as Paul writes the Philippians in chapter 2 and verse 6. It says, Who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God. He's in the form of God. And he's equal to God. Listen to John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What you are saying when you say Jesus bears the image of the invisible God is he is of the exact nature, he is of the exact composition, he's not just like God, he is God. And all of his characteristics... In John 14, Jesus told the disciples he was going to prepare a place. If he went to prepare a place, he would come again to receive them where that he was, we could also be. Then there will be follow-up questions. Jesus says, where I go, you know, the way you know. Philip is going to say to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Here's how Jesus will respond. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. There's no difference between the composition, the will, the desire between the Father and the Son. They bear the exact same image. Now, let's take it even a little bit deeper. Jesus embodied the fullness of deity in his own physical body. It pleased the Father, verse 19, that in him all the fullness should dwell. Boy, that's a deep concept. That in that body of Jesus, all the fullness of the Godhead was there. Now when John wrote his gospel account, he begins by explaining who Jesus was, where he was, and then he comes down to verse 14 and says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word, which was God, became flesh. That means that He took on a physical form. Now, that's not His normal form. His normal form is the invisible God, but now He's flesh. You can see Him. You can touch Him. You can hear Him. All in physical form. When Paul continues in chapter 2, verse 9 of Colossians, he said, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, I'm going to tell you, folks, that requires a lot of appreciation. 
to say that Jesus was not just a man. He was not just a good man. He was God in the flesh. That every characteristic that he possessed was both human and divine. Now that has some strong implications to it. Being both fully human and fully divine, Jesus was our perfect high priest. You see, because he knows the views of the Father. In fact, he's got all of the knowledge. He's got all of the appreciation of the Godhead. But he also knows how man feels. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. That's the reason why Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says, Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. You see, Jesus was the perfect one. And so by saying he is preeminent in his composition, there's never been anybody who possessed both the characteristics of God and the characteristics of man. You don't get any higher than Jesus. Now let's talk about preeminent in creation. Let's look at verses 16 and 17 in this context. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Now I want you to think about what Paul just said. By him all things were created. When you and I open our Bibles and we go to that very first book of the Bible and we read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Too often in our mind we think, God the Father being the creator. That's not what scripture tells us. What does Scripture say? Listen again to John 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Do you mean on the day of creation, Jesus was there creating? Absolutely, but that's not stopped there. You go to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then to verse 12, 10 through 12. He said, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past by the fathers to the, or to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us through his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, now listen carefully again, through whom also he made the worlds. Dropping down to verse 10. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens were the work of your hands. 
They will perish, but you will remain. They will grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will fold them up and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years shall not fail or will not fail. As you listen to what John wrote, the Hebrew writer wrote, it's obvious that Jesus was there. John will continue in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, as he is appreciating the Lamb and he's talking about worthy is the Lamb. He said, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Worthy is the Lamb. But then you don't even stop there. All things were created through Him and for Him. Now if I'm talking about preeminent in the creation, I'm thinking Jesus as the Creator occupies the highest position that you can imagine. But it's not just that. Everything that was created was created for Him. That means that you and I were created to bring glory and honor to Christ in our lives. Not just through Him, but for Him. And that's the reason why verse 15 says that He is the firstborn over all creation. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now let me take you to the third part. He is preeminent in his composition. There's never been anyone nor ever will be anyone greater than Jesus Christ. He is preeminent over creation and the fact that everything was created by him, through him, and for him. Now, when you and I look at Jesus, he's the head of the church. Let's look at verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. What do you really get that phrase, in all things he might have the preeminence? Let's look at what he says here. He's the head of the body, the church. When you and I open our Bibles and we read about the church in the books of Acts and the epistles, and we read about Jesus' promise to build His church, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, some people have this idea that there's just a multiplicity of churches. And that's okay. Oh, but it's not okay. Let's explore for just a minute. When Paul wrote the Ephesians, a parallel book or a letter, if you will, to the Colossian ones, he said in chapter 1, verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
It's as Jesus is the head over all things, God said He's also going to be head over the church. But He describes that church as the body. Jesus is the head. The church is His body. The head, the body. You don't have many bodies. You've got one body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, he explains. He said, For as the body is one and has many members, but the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all been made to drink of the one Spirit. It doesn't matter if you were born a Jew. It doesn't matter if you were born a Greek. It doesn't matter if you were born a slave or if you were born a free man. You are all baptized, and there's an important aspect right there, into that one body. And someone says, oh, but you have to understand, though, that the world in which we live today has many bodies or many churches. Listen to Ephesians 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is above all, through all, and in you all. Verses, going through verse 6. There's just one body. I didn't say that. Scripture said that. Now, if there's just one body... There's just one body that has Jesus as his head. As head, Jesus has all authority. You see, there's a lot of religious groups today. Many of them have fallible, weak men as their heads. There are other religious bodies that have chosen to have a group of men, or sometimes even women, as their ruling bodies. And in so doing, they have fallible people. But the church of Christ, not a denomination, not some sort of, of oh, we're talking about the body of Christ The one that when a person is baptized into that one body is added to the church by the Lord. Acts 2 verse 47. That church, Jesus is the head. The preeminent one, He's the head. Listen to Matthew 28 verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus possesses that great authority. In Ephesians 5, verse 23, For as the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. He's the head of the church, his own body. Now, let's try to tie all of this together for our invitation. We read in the last of verse 18 that in all things he might have the preeminence. 
Now here is a, a thought for you to consider. Jesus has the preeminence whether we recognize it or not because God has exalted him. A little over a year ago, Donald Trump was elected president of the United States of America. When he was, there were a number of people who were saying, he's not the president. And you smile a little bit, and they may not have wanted him to be president, but he is president because he was elected. The truth is, Jesus Christ is preeminent whether I give him that glory, that honor, or not. The fact that I may say he's not Lord does not change in one bit his preeminence. You understand that? He is Lord. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. And I believe there's some people in Colossae who evidently are not really willing to grant Jesus in their minds and in their hearts that level of preeminence. You and I have to exalt Him in our lives. In fact, you and I will exalt Him in our lives. Either now or later. Listen to Philippians chapter 2 beginning with verse 9. After talking about being equal with God was not something that Jesus grasped a hold of, considered robbery. We read the words that follow. Therefore God has highly exalted him. Given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You will bow your knee you will confess the Lordship of Christ. You can do it now out of respect and honor for Jesus being who He is. You can submit to that Lordship by believing in Him as the Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith into in Him, being baptized into that one body, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, or you can wait to the day of judgment. In which case you will then have to acknowledge He is Lord. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing the song, Prepare to Meet Thy God. If you are not a Christian and you didn't fully grasp everything that was said in this lesson, that's, that's understandable. Let's take some time to sit down and talk about it and talk about the Lord's body, the church, talk about your becoming a member of it. I don't want you to, to leave thinking this is not important. It's extremely important. But if you understand that you need to become a Christian, don't wait, don't put it off. And if you're a child of God and you have to look in your life and say, you know what, I have not been living 
and giving Jesus the honor, the glory, and the exaltation that He deserves in my life. Why not come and let's pray and ask for forgiveness and ask God to be with you? If you need to come, please do so while we stand and sing.